Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. No matter where you are in the world, I'd like to welcome you back to another episode of Whose World Is This? with Junior Renee Bobrun. Thank you guys for listening once again. If you are a new listener, I'd like to welcome you to this ongoing conversation that is on its, I think it's its 45th episode. Today is season four, episode one. And if you are a regular listener, I'd like to welcome you back once again to this ongoing conversation. And I appreciate you guys taking the time out of your schedules to listen to me. You could be listening to anyone, but you've taken an opportunity to listen to me, which I do not take lightly. Thank you for that. Before we get started, I'd like to say if you want to take a moment and pause this and rate review or subscribe to this show if you're listening to it on apple podcasts or on itunes take a moment and just rate it even if let's say you want to leave a review after the show but take a moment right now give it as many stars as you seem if you think it deserves the show deserves and then come back to it it's such an important component at getting the algorithm and getting the uh show noticed with the minimal amount of time, effort, and money is pretty much just rating the show, subscribing to it, and, and, and leaving a little brief review about what you think about the show, the things you like about it. So if you can do that, that would be greatly appreciated. And I'm going to start what I call a share challenge before the end of the year. Um, I can kind of check through the algorithms and analytics to see how much my show is shared and I'm going to do a share challenge. So what I'm going to do is if I reach a certain amount of shares of this show in a certain amount of time, I'm going to then do a raffle and then one of my listeners will get something. I don't know. We'll figure out a prize or something like that, but I want to incentivize this world works on incentives. So that's fine with me and want to incentivize sharing caring, reviewing, liking, rating, things of that nature, right? So, um, you know, people can screenshot a copy of their, you know, the fact that they rated it. It doesn't matter what you gave it. So I'm not, it doesn't matter if you gave it a five stars or one star, but just the fact that you did the work, that you did that little thing, you can screenshot it. You can send it to my Gmail, whose world is this two one at gmail.com, or you can, uh, DM me on our Instagram at whose world is this 2021 on our Instagram page. Just looking for ways that I can engage with the people that are actually listening to the show without venturing out to find new listeners. I want to keep the ones that are listening on a regular basis engaged and, and, and see what can incentivize them to share it more. Use the show as a conversation piece, dinner table talk talk over the you know forums of conversations i'm going to start a website uh soon where a lot of the things that we speak about i'm going to write a little quip about about it so it's going to be something of a central hub for this information as well if you want to have it in in written form so a lot of things are in the works over the next this last quarter of 2021 going into the first quarter of 2022 we're already at the end of october so we only have two months left in this year. I'm hoping within the next six months to make some serious strides and gains as, as far as this platform is concerned and other business ventures that I have as well, which I will keep you guys abreast of. 
Another thing I want to talk about is onelavi.com. Real quick, O-N-E-L-A-V-I.com. That's where I go get my, my vitamins and my supplements. See, the things that we're going to talk about on this show, this is not a show where you would skip ads. You know, when you go on YouTube and you go on Instagram or you go listen to someone and you go, ah, oh, that's not relevant to me. Oh, why is this? Why am I getting this notification for this particular product? I don't even subscribe to these kind of things. But the things that we talk about, the things that my audience, the people that listen to me, the people I converse with, they're heavily interested in their immune system and vitamins and supplementation. The things that we speak about on this show and things and products and services that I highlight are products and services that I use. It's not necessarily that I've invested in them or they're paying me. It's products that I use or products that I've actually created. Okay? So that's why I'm not going to just shuck and jive for somebody who gave me a couple of dollars. That won't happen. That won't happen. So when I mention OneLaVie.com, it's because it's a product I use. They have products on this site that I actually use. The vitamins, the cognitive capsules for mind function, for brain clarity, things like that. I use these things. I use their powders and and their proteins. So go there. Go get some or, or take a look. Go shopping. Go window shop. Browse. I'm not saying buy it. I'm saying take a look at it. Okay. Um, other thing, when you go on Amazon, go into the search box and type in Chavez House Publishing. C-H-A-V-E-S. House Publishing. And you will get a full array of Lenore Batista's journals, whether they be her dance journals her workout journals, her journals where you're looking to manifest. There's a gratitude journal that she has that I've actually started using where you, you, you write down in the morning what you're grateful for. And at the end of the night, at the end of the day, you write down what you're grateful for, whether it's the day or whether it's something else. And you just, you compare the two, what you said you were grateful for in the morning and what you say what you, and then what you said what you were grateful for at night. It's an interesting way for you to start to align the things that are actually important to you. I implore any one of you, every one of you, to get that gratitude journal. It's an important book. I think everyone could get something out of it of redeemable value for themselves. Also, you can get notebooks with the flags on it, whether you're from Jamaica, you're from the Caribbean, you're from the United States. You, you, you want a book, a Parisian notebook. We have the Eiffel Tower on one of the notebooks. We have the Haiti notebook, which proceeds of that book purchase. We have the Haiti notebook, which has the Haitian flag on the cover. Proceeds of that notebook will go to Haiti relief. People that were disaffected, that were affected from the earthquake that occurred. And we're, we're trying to work out some things to help out some of the migrant uh, uh, Haitian refugees that are right there on the Texas-Mexico border as we speak. Winter is coming. These people are coming from tropical climates where it's 90 degrees on New Year's Eve. And they're going. some of them are going to be, uh, are going to stay in this country and they're going to go to families that sponsored them or family members that they actually do have in this country. Many Caribbean people in the United States, they're heavily populated on the East Coast, which can get very cold. Many, many Haitians in, are in New York City. Many, many Haitians are in New Jersey, in Pennsylvania, in Boston. These places are frigid. These people don't have clothes. So I'm, I'm 
trying to figure out a way maybe around the, the holidays to get down there, at least with a suitcase filled with some clothes for the for the kids and some of the adults. And if there's some I doubt there's elderly amongst these people, because the way these people have had to travel from where they were in South America all the way to Mexico, I, I, I sincerely doubt that many people over certain ages would have been able to endure those trips. But at the same time, you don't know. But my concern mostly is for the kids. There are going to be some kids that are going to be extremely cold. And I would like to get some used clothes or maybe start a clothing drive. I'm still trying to work it out with all the things that I'm working on. That's something that's on my mind as well. So so you can definitely, you know, donate to the show uh, via dollar sign June Bow on Cash App, which is dollar sign J-U-N-B-E-A-U as well as on my Venmo is uh, J-U-N-B-E-A-U as well. So if you want to leave some money for the show, leave some money for Haiti Relief or whatever, you just want to say, June, this is for you. Appreciate what you're doing. Appreciate the show. All right, cool. Thanks. We're going to be looking to create this as a multimedia platform. So this is this is just the beginning. I, I've, I realized that this is something I'm very comfortable doing. I enjoy doing it. Um, a lot of people have said, June, why don't you go on camera? You know, uh, you know, they say you have a face for TV. I'm like, oh, look at me. I don't, you know, some people think I'm all pretty. They think I, I can do that kind of stuff. I am hesitant to do the whole camera thing. I did that once before. It was okay. But I would much rather be heard than seen. Uh, I'm not clout chasing. I'm not searching for some sort of fame. If I were, obviously I would be doing different topics, topics that are more appealing to maybe a, a broader audience. I feel that the people who listen to me are looking for more than what they're receiving on their mainstream airwaves, so to speak. So, and I, and I want to continue to create and be more substantive and challenge myself to be able to bring that level of, 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 of substantiveness and poignancy to what it is that we're doing here. I don't even know if poignancy is a word, but if it isn't, well, if it is, congratulate me. I don't remember ever using it in a sentence. But um, yeah, that's what we're doing here. So if I do get on camera or maybe I'll, I'll put some clips on YouTube, maybe things like that. I don't know if I'm going to do the camera thing. I have other things in mind that are going to need me to be on camera i think me being in front of the camera instead of behind the scenes is going to be is going to be necessary to, to to propel those projects forward we're going to speak about those things as well a lot things a lot of things going on um if there are any investors out there listening holla at me whose world is this to one at gmail.com there are things in the works getting on the ground floor with someone such as myself who has a work ethic who has a proven track record in business as an entrepreneur, as an employee, as a boss, founder, co-founder, whatever. Um, I'm the kind of dependable person you might want to think about entering into business with, not just someone who's just cracking this mic for giggles. I, 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 I know how to create something from nothing. I've done it before. So if you if you're listening to this and you're saying, you know what, I want to know what I want to know what June's got in the works for 2021. Talk to me. I'm 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 available. I'm I'm listening because things are in the works. It'd be nice if there were some people in certain industries, whether it's in the podcasting industry, the radio industry, television industry, th certain other things. Um, 
you know, website design, a lot of things going on. Um, now, with all of that being said, today is season four, episode one. Thank you, guys. Here we are on our 45th episode. 45 episodes started this little journey of ours back in um, February of this year and wanted to know where it was going to go. I wanted to come up with the right title for the for the for the show and what it was and this ongoing conversation and um, finally landed on whose world is this? And I thought it made sense. You see the logo that we have is me staring at an elephant and an elephant staring back at me. And I've had friends of mine who said, June, you, your title of your show of the conversation, let me call it a conversation, the title of our conversation and the picture that goes along with it leads to many interpretations. Whose world is this? Are you saying, is it the human world? Is it the animal world? Is it this? And, and I love the fact that certain friends of mine looked at that picture and the logo, that, which it is, for what it was. You can derive so many things, so many different interpretations based on show title juxtaposed with picture. Take a moment. I think it's a cool logo. The fact that my life imitates what I do all the time, my experiences. I'm, I'm not a personality. This is not, I'm not putting on a show. That's why I don't want to call this a show. I'm not putting on a show. There, I don't have a persona. You know, a public persona and then behind the scenes, I'm somebody totally different. It's not what this is here. That's why that show is the way, it, that's why that picture is the way it looks, you know, because it's, it's not doctored. It's nothing. It's not curated. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't, it was a, it, it wasn't at a zoo. It was me walking down the street in the Takeo province in Cambodia, volunteering at an orphanage. And it was a new uh, uh, volunteer who came in that day. Can't remember her name. And she came in from California and I said, hey, listen, I'm going to show you where to go to the store, get supplies for the school, this, that, and the third. All right. And, I, and she's behind me and I'm walking and while she's talking to me, I'm like, um, I said, I don't know if it's me, if it's a mirage, but I think there's an elephant in front of the store that we're supposed to go into. And she looks at me like, what? Because I'm pointing at all everything else around us except what's going on directly in front of us because we're just on a regular road. And there are mopeds whizzing by and there are cows and there are kids following me because I'm the only black person they've probably ever seen in that part of Cambodia because I'm in the rural Cambodia. And I was about 210 or 20 pounds at that time. Had a bit of muscularity. I worked out. I wasn't working out crazy, crazy. But, I, you know, I stayed in a certain certain kind of shape and I'm bigger than everybody around. So I, I was somewhat of a rarity in the area and I enjoy it. I enjoyed it. I enjoy thinking about it because I now have kids following me. I'm going, hey, what's going on? And, you know, and they just pointing at me laughing and I'm pointing at them laughing and we're just having a good time. And, um, I see the elephant and the volunteer is laughing going, what do we do? I said, I, I, I don't know how to move an elephant. I don't, know how to I don't know this the elephant wins and she took that picture based on that she said I gotta have a photo I was like well go ahead I'm sitting there the look on my face is quizzical because at that point whose world is like oh, I need to get to the store but I need to get supplies for the school and this elephant's going yeah that that I I don't know how to walk around elephants there are people in front of the store I don't know if you can see in the background of this picture that there are certain people and there are people that are inside of the store looking at me laughing. People that are standing outside and inside of the store, they're laughing because they're looking at the look 
the look on my face must have told a whole story about because I'm confused. I've never walked up on an elephant before, just in a just walking, just hanging out. You know, so I I what I'm doing with this show is creating a trust between you and I that this isn't some sort of public persona where you're on this ride with me for 40, 50, 60 episodes, 100 episodes, 500 episodes, 1,000 episodes, and then all of a sudden, June does the switcheroo on us. How many times have we been disappointed by people in it, that we've invested in, whether in the public eye, in the public sphere, public people that become popular, and as their popularity grows, the thing that you liked about them the most, they lose? It's as, it's as if that there's this inverse relationship between their popularity growing and their credibility decreasing as their popularity increases, right? You know, so that's not something you have to worry about with me because I own a lot of this. I own my own stuff, right? My ambitions, I never hang my hat higher than my principles. My ambitions do not outweigh and cannot outstretch my principles, my morals, my ethics, and my ethos. So what we speak about is going to be my perspective, not a perspective that has been bought, paid for, leased. You know, it's mine. And so if anyone wants to invest more than just time and effort and money, know that you'll be investing in me. That's what you're investing in. You're investing in my morality, my ethics, my principles, my mantras, my ethos. I will be standing on my own two ten toes down. Okay, enough about that. It's the longest intro in the history of intros. A lot we covered. Covered One La Vie. We covered Lenore Batista's journals, the Chavez House Publishing. We covered rating and reviewing the show, please, and sharing with a friend. Share with five friends. Operation Five Friends. That's what we want to do. Share it with five people. Just do it. The first episode, whatever episode you like the most, maybe just this one, just share it, you know, and then they share it, share and share alike. And then I'm going to incentivize it. We're going to get, I don't know, I'll send you a box of cookies at your favorite bakery. I don't know. We'll figure it out. But what's the name of this show? As you guys know, I come up with the working title and the title comes from a place. And then uh, the information comes from another place. The title does come from a place. No one has figured out where my titles come from yet, which is hilarious, but that's fine because it's kind of obvious, but it's not sort of truth in plain sight, you know, but um, in any case, uh, or hidden in plain sight. But um, the title for this show is my prediction, and that's going to be the title, or, or the working title is going to have the word prediction in it, my prediction. And when I'm what I'm speaking about is a continuation of what we spoke about briefly in the last three or four episodes where I was speaking about money. I think the last episode, I think I don't know what I called it, love or something like that, speaking about family and how the holiday season is going to with everything going on, partisanal politics, the, the anti-vax or two-vax crowd, um, all the things that are going on to people that are out of work, furloughed, the stresses of mandates or to, to net mandate or not. And all of this, all of these things may come to a head at the dinner table this year. And, um, we spoke about that last episode and, um, how to deal and combat that, combat that and still keep your friends, 
family, your community. This is an important word. This is why I'm segueing into that. And then the money episodes where we spoke about how lengthy and invasive the eight hour work day is considering that you have to prep for work, get to work, work, and then get home from work in a 24 hour cycle. You're supposed to be spending eight of those 24 sleeping. And then at other eight, you're supposed to be spent at someone else's job, not your job. It's not your job. You are employed. And at any given moment that your job will become someone else's. So be very careful when you say my job. Where you are employed is not yours. You hear what I said? So be careful with the language that you employ. You know, when I say my woman, she's a woman. She's my woman as long as she wants to be. And as long as I want her to be. I'm her man as long as she wants me to be. As long as I want to be. But we're all entering into these agreements. There's no real ownership until you really truly own your ship. Got what I'm saying? So that place that you're working at ain't your job. Well, this is my title. This is what I do. Ah, careful. Any given moment, you may have to find another identity. It happens to people all the time. All of a sudden you get fired, furloughed, terminated, laid off or whatever. And now you have to figure out who you are outside of that title. Yeah, we'll talk about it. But what's my prediction? I've been saying a lot of things and the things I say, I don't want anybody out there to think I'm a Donnie doomsdayer. There are things that are going on in our life that are stark and there are reasons why they are the way they are. But I like to give actionable uh, 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 solutions, things that you can do in practical sense. No superhuman activity, nothing that's 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 outside of your realm. Just any any person, any layman, anyone can go out and start taking those actionable steps to combat some of the more starker realities that we have. That's what we do on this show. We highlight it. We discuss it. And, and in turn, we put it out there on the board so everyone can see it like a classroom. It's a conversation in a classroom, so to speak. We put it on the board and then then other people, you guys out there listening can go, you know what? I got something to put on this board, too. And you're thinking about it. I had a friend of mine who listens to this show. And this is probably the greatest compliment that I had about this show. She says she loves she loves my rants. That's, that's her exact words. She said, I love your rants, June. She said, but it's become increasingly difficult to listen to your rants at night because they make me think too much. They make me think and then it keeps me up and now I start thinking. I mean, if this show, if this conversation does anything else, if it helps us just think about some things and maybe a, a way that we haven't thought about them, this is not about conversion. This is not about me winning an argument in our conversation, not even close. You can listen to this and say, June is completely off base. I don't believe I don't I don't care. He's what that's fine. But if it for a moment can 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 allow someone to go oh to think outside of of their own dogmas for a moment. And say, you know what? I never thought about it like that. That right there is a win. We all win. We all win when we have an opportunity to think about something in a way that we never even imagined before or just coloring it in a different way. That right there is a win. That's it. So if anyone wants to know what I'm looking to accomplish, I don't have any movements. I'm not trying to. That's what it is. Thinking about it a little differently. That's why the question remains, whose world is this? 
That's what we're all a part of this collective human experiment on earth. And then we all have these individual aspirations that we're looking to add into this human ecosphere simultaneously. It's almost a paradox, this hyper individualism that we have with this collectivism because we all need each other regardless. And that's what my prediction comes into. That's where we lead into the prediction. My prediction which harkens back to what I mentioned, that the work day is so long, we don't have time for community. When I was speaking to the people out there that don't want to be mandated to do A, B, or C, I said, you're going to have to lean on a group of people that you haven't leaned on in a long time. You know who those people are? Your community, your neighbors, if you live in an apartment complex, the people who live above you, the people who live below you, the people who live to the left or right of you, the people who live around the corner from you, the people in the neighboring apartment complexes, or if you live in standalone homes, your neighbors to your right, the neighbors to your neighbors to your left, the neighbors that are across the street. Some of us have homes that our backyard are practically shared by someone else. You know, we have a little gate. And if you climb that gate, you're in someone else's backyard right there. And we barely know that person's last name. I would challenge you to get the last name of every neighbor in your apartment complex. I would challenge you to exchange numbers and names with everybody that lives on your block. If you live on a block that has five people, your block is not just the people that live to the left or right of you. I'm talking about that square block around the corner you people out there in new york city know what i'm talking about you know what i'm talking about the five people that live on your block but then you make a left turn at the left corner all of a sudden there's another five homes and then you go down that other block and make another left there's another five homes and you make another left there's another five homes. that's square look at a square and say i have to know the first and last name and get the number or at least know them if i don't want to get to know them that level or maybe they're not the kind of people that we like, or maybe they're into some other activities, whatever. I'm saying you at least got to know their names. And they have to know yours. Because you know who knows your name? The people that you work with. But you notice as soon as you don't work with them anymore, no one's really calling your phone, are they? Your job, when you first get it, they call you a family. They say you're part of a bigger, larger community. You work here. You're part of the family. Yeah, you seem to be part of that family until somebody decides to fire you. And all of a sudden, all those people at your job that you were having the Friday night happy hour with and um, um, having the lunches with and they were inviting you to A, B or C. Soon as you leave that job, how many of those co-workers and supervisors and managers are you still in contact with? Oh. But you know who you have to go home to when you when you get fired from that job unfairly or fairly terminated, laid off, furloughed for what outsourced, phased out. You have to go back to that community. You have to go back to that square block. You went to a job where everybody knows your first and last name, your position, what school you graduated from. How come your neighbors don't know that? Oh, Think about it. When I was living in Europe for about six months, I noticed that they took two to three hours off in the middle of the day. 
broke up the day. By 1, 2 p.m., you can't find anything open. Things reopen again at 4, 5, 6 o'clock. You know what those people were doing? Between 1 and 2 p.m., when all the stores were closed, shops were closed, many of them were going back where? To their communities, to their neighborhoods. They were having lunch. They were having coffee. They were having an extra espresso with family. Men were going home to cuddle up with their wives, wives vice versa with their husbands. Men oftentimes were going to visit other neighbors, maybe other store owners and shop owners would get together and just talk. <clears throat> the parks were filled with men and women talking, walking, looking around aimlessly. What happened to that? We don't have that here in America. We call that laziness. Oh, you're just staring at the sky. You don't have something to do. Every single moment has to be in. You have to be engaged in some sort of commodified enterprise. You have to find a way to monetize every single last step you take. That's the only way we add value in this country to our day is the day we're spent working most likely for someone else. My prediction, my prediction is that the events over the last 18 months, if any hope can be gleaned from all the things that have occurred, people have lost lives, people have lost jobs, people have lost their job and lost loved ones, people have lost their homes, livelihoods. I mean, so much has been lost. What can we gain and glean from the occurrences? People have decided that once these employers have asked them to go back into the office, there's been a pushback. People have said, uh-uh, I'm not going back there. Then statistically speaking, I have been either as productive or more productive here in my home than I was when I had to commute, get dressed, buy new clothes, keep and, and, and go to this place and spend gas, time, energy just to get there. And I could do that right here from the comfort of my own home. People said, I get to do what? Take a walk. Oh, remember what I was talking about? Those siestas I was having in Rome. And I lived in Italy, guys, for about five, six months. And it was one of the more transformative experiences of my life. But I kind of felt like I was already there when I got there. So I don't know how much it transformed me or I met who I already was. But that's another kind of conversation. Let's get back to it. Now, all of a sudden, people are taking walks. Oh, taking a five, ten minute break. Oh, I can do this in ten minutes. I'm going to go walk around the block. Are you now? I'm going to have coffee outside I'm going to have an orange juice. I'm going to have my, 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 my sports drink on, my, on the steps of my apartment or right outside in the parking lot. And now all of a sudden you're waving at a neighbor that you've only just seen to and from. You know, you've only seen this neighbor running into their car at 8 a.m. and then running back from their car at 5 p.m. And both of you are going to your, your realities that you only get for a couple of hours until you got to get ready for sleep to get ready for work tomorrow. Now all of a sudden you're having what? conversations with people that you haven't had an opportunity to have conversations with before people in your community why because you were too busy with your co-workers 
who don't seem to know you anymore after you don't work there anymore. All of, all of, all of that jazz about you guys being a family and we're in this together was gone as soon as you weren't there anymore. Hmm. Interesting. Meanwhile, now you're home. These people that you've lived near, lived next to, on top of, beneath, above or beneath, adjacent, not parallel to, been there for years. Some of us, shamefully, decades, embarrassingly, you've lived in certain neighborhoods for decades. You don't know your neighbors. You don't know their first name or their last name. You don't know if that's John or Joe. You don't know if that's Jessica or Rebecca. You don't remember. You think, I think her name is Rebecca. I don't remember, but she seems nice. But everyone at your job, you know everything about them. You see the pictures of their kids on the in the cubicle, the portraits, and you see their degree hanging. Oh, you went to such and such school. I have a friend of mine who went there, blah, 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 blah. Small talk, busy talk, busy talk, busy talk. Those people don't know you anymore. They don't care. You've spent all these decades over the last three, four decades getting cozying, cozying up to co-workers who could care less about you after the workday is over. Meanwhile, people in your neighborhood, people in your neighborhood, you don't know them. Mm. Now you're starting to. That's my prediction. People are now going to understand or understanding what work-life balance is actually is and what it looks like and feels like being home being able to being able to go to your kids school at lunch and have lunch with your kids i've had friends of mine do that say yeah i just went to my kids school took them out for lunch brought them back whoa never was able to do that before my kids saw me and just their eyes lit up i said hey we're going to such and such to eat they're looking at me going thank they loved it. You break up the kid's day a bit. They get to see their mom or dad or whatever. And then boom, little things like that. Or the kids that were working from home, the parents and the kids get to, you know, once the kid has their lunch for their school studies, the parents schedule their their uh, lunch to be uh, parallel with their school studies. To, and guess what? With their school break, lunch break, work break, lunch break, school break. Let's go out to eat. Let's make a pizza. Let's do some. Let's defrost some. Let's do, what the work life balance not your work just being your whole life the americans people in the united states in 2021 are finally realizing that this, this technology that was supposed to free them from their boss's eye just on top of them timing their bathroom breaks you guys out there know what i'm talking about if you're not working a job like that right now, you've worked a job like that. Have you ever worked a job? Listen to me, people, because I'm speaking from experience. Have you ever worked at a place where you took a bathroom break and you sat on a toilet that you weren't even using just to get a minute away from the job? And it's not as if you're working in a coal mine 150 feet under the ground we're talking about an office a clean office i'm wearing a shirt a tie forget about that i'm wearing a suit 
two to three pieces and I would go to the bathroom, a public bathroom, close the toilet stall area, sit on the bowl while it was while the bowl was closed and covered and just sit there just to get a minute. Do you know that feeling? Think about that for a moment. What's going on that I prefer? I don't mean to be graphic. I prefer the, the, the environment of a closed toilet over my desk, over my corporate chair, my company chair, my nice little leather chair, pleather chair with, with my phone and my computer and my little title. I am preferring that bathroom toilet. Other people are in there using the toilet. There are sounds and smells emanating from this place that are not pleasant. But I would rather be in there for five minutes, ten minutes, than to be at my desk. What? This is the reason why many people are not going back to the way it was. My prediction is that finally, many of us in the United States are finally seeing things the way I saw them in the late 90s, where I said this work week is obsolete. It's nonsense. And when I saw that the amount of money that corporate America made, the profit that they made based on the productivity of, uh, of their American worker, and when you looked at the numbers of how little the American worker got in return for their productivity over the last 40 years. When the numbers made sense with my frustration, I understood I was not crazy because I was told that I was nuts thinking the way I was thinking. And this was 20 plus years ago. I am having the biggest I told you so moment. But most of the people that I told this to um, aren't around today. You know, they're doing other things. But I'm having an I told you so moment where I get to look in the mirror and go, June, you weren't crazy. You weren't crazy. You were told that you were. Oh, people were summarily dismissing what I was saying. Teachers were summarily dismissing what I was saying. People in corporate were summarily dismissing what I was saying. Other friends. Now it's like, oh, wait a minute. We don't want to go back there. You're hearing terms like the great resignation. You guys heard this term? This is what's been going on over the last couple of months in the United States. I think it was uh, August. August or was it July or August had the highest month of resignations in recent history in over two, three decades. People just said, I quit. But then it was trumped by August that had, that had more resignations than July. Now, some of those resignations are forced, but uh, many of them are, are, well, some, but the majority of them, and I would say close to 85 plus percent of them are not. People said, no, I'm not doing this anymore. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do this anymore. I don't want to do this. I'm not getting paid enough. I'm not doing this. I'm leaving. I don't want to do this. I'm not being treated with the level of dignity and respect that I feel I deserve in money. So I'm leaving. Remember that song? I'm leaving on the next train. I don't know when I'll be back again. I'm saying that the old model is dead. It's leaving. It should be dead. My prediction is that with more conversations like this, that old model of having to spend eight hours at someone else's place and calling that full-time labor 
is dead. I feel, and I've said it before, that the work day should be a quarter of the 24-hour cycle. A quarter would mean total six hours. Six hours work max. And that includes the commute, getting to prepping for work, getting to work, and working. So if it takes you 30 minutes to get ready, 30 minutes to uh, commute, that hour, 60 minutes, should be paid for and counts within that six-hour cycle. So that means you're working at the actual facility or doing whatever job you're doing for five hours because that commute is work. That, to me, sounds like more of an equitable model. You want the worker to work more, you want them to work an extra hour over that six, that will be time and a half. You want them to work another hour over, that's going to be two hours. That extra hour is going to be double time. You want them to work a third hour, that's going to be triple time. We'll cap it at triple time. So if you're making 10 bucks an hour for your six hour uh, 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 work day, if they want you to work uh, uh, nine, you're going to be at $30 an hour. If they want you to work eight, that eighth hour will be a $20 an hour work hour, which technically should be what the cost of, you know, the hourly wage is inflated for the cost of inflation. I mean, value for the cost of inflation. But this is important. This is an important moment, this prediction. Why? I, I Finally, the American workers realizing, hey, I can do better. Because this, this is something that I'm... Um, Ah, this interesting gentleman, there's a show out there. It's called Bar Rescue, right? Um, it's one of those shows. I don't know if you've seen restaurant confident, uh, restaurant shows or shows where they make over shows. It's, it's this guy. He's from actually, uh, embarrassingly enough, he's from New York City. He's from Long Island. His name is John Taffer. And the name of his show is Bar Rescue, where he goes to certain bars and he, he and, you know, maybe their decor is wrong. Their business model is wrong. The level of service, quality of food is off. And he shows them how to turn their business into a, you know, a whatever, whatever, acceptable business that, you know, whatever. In any case, I've watched a couple of episodes. It was entertaining. But recently, over the last, I think, um, couple of months, Mr. John Taffer was on network TV and he was speaking to a host of a particular show. I know the host of the show. I don't know it personally. I'm just saying, I know what show it was. I'm not going to mention the show. If you want to know what show it was, you can feel free to go and do a search on your own. So Mr. Taffer was admonishing and lashing out at all the people that were receiving unemployment benefits. The conversation was revolving around how there's so many jobs available. There's so many now hiring signs available, but not enough people to take those jobs. No one wanted to speak to the quality of these jobs. No one wanted to speak about the wages for these jobs. No one wanted to speak about the fact that many of these people had been inundated with 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 13, 14, 15 months of the news and government and medical personnel and experts telling them to stay home, stay home. It's crazy outside. If you go outside without a this or a mask or a this, you're going to die. This is what they've been hearing. Now, all of a sudden, you're saying, get your butt to work for $7.25 an hour and get on the front lines of all of the stuff that we told you to stay home about. What? Not understanding this uh, sort of psychological 
okie doke that you've been pulling over people. No one wants to have these nuanced conversations. It's either you're left, you're right, you're conservative, you're liberal, you're Republican, you're Democrat, you're pro-Trump, you're anti-Trump, you're, anti you're pro-Jordan, pro-Joe Biden. You're this, it's all of these binary sort of uh, conversations. You either represent one polarity or another. No nuance. No room for nuance and all the other factors. No room. No room. So this man, John Taffer, is on this show and they're speaking about people not going back to work. You know what he says? He says, and this is this is um uh he says, hunger is a powerful thing. Listen to me now. This is a quote. John Taffer from Bar Rescue says, Hunger is a pretty powerful thing. And that's what the the host says. And uh, the host says, I don't mean physical hunger because um, uh, people who are truly hungry and need help. I'm talking about those who can work but refuse to work. Taffer says this. This is what Taffer says. He says, I have a friend in the military who trains military dogs and they only feed a military dog at night because a hungry dog is an obedient dog. Well, if we are not causing people to be hungry to work, then we're providing them with all the meals they need sitting at home. Do you hear what I'm saying? Did you? Did you guys hear that? A hungry dog is an obedient dog. A hungry dog is an obedient dog. Remember we spoke about last episode? Last show? Last conversation? When one of the Fortune 500 companies said that the reason why they're hiring second chance employees, second chance employees are people who have been convicted and arrest, indict, convicted and incarcerated for a non-violent felony and have been since released and now are being hired by these companies. One of the main reasons why they hire those employees is because they are what, quote, unquote, loyal. Are you seeing, are you loyal? He said, oh, they're so grateful. They're so thankful. They're so loyal. He didn't speak about the efficacy of the work they do. He didn't say how professional they are. He didn't say how good they were at their jobs. He didn't say how excellent they were as employees. He didn't mention any of that. He mentioned grateful, loyal, and thankful. Kind of like a dog. So we can see the correlation between what John Taffer is saying of Bar Rescue when he says that a hungry dog is an obedient dog and this Fortune 500 CEO who's looking to counteract you guys out there who are saying we need a better life, a better way, better balance. We've seen it, even in the midst of all of this pandemical craziness going on. We've people out there going, whoa, I'm home. Oh, wow. I, I mean, I'm doing home improvement while working. People are multitaskers. multitaskers. People can do more than one thing at the same time. Guess what? So people are like, I did a load of laundry today. I did this while I was working, blah, blah, blah. I did this. I went for a walk. I was on my treadmill while I was answering emails. What? All of these things were happening. And people were like, I'm living like a well-rounded human being. But your boss, those coworkers, don't want you to be a well-rounded human being. They want you to be grateful, loyal, thankful, and obedient dog and people have realized it 
That's why they're saying, yeah, forget about the PPP benefits and the unemployment benefits and this, that, and the third. It's not about that. Oh, I'm eating. Let me tell you something. The majority of people on earth want to work, but they want to get what they feel they are worth. Nothing hurts more than feeling underappreciated. It's disturbing to people. And they realize, okay, I'll take these wages that you're giving me as long as it means I don't have to buy a bunch of clothes and I get to stay in my home and I get to become a well-rounded person in an environment that I created, my home, my little home office. I get to see my place. You know, that's what we try to do with our cubicles, right? You notice that at cubicles? You try to make it homely. Get some pictures of your family in there because you're not going to see them for the next eight, nine hours. Put, put a little flower up or something like that. Try to try to jazz up your office. You don't. But 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 it's never home. These people that tell you that they're your family, they, they don't really act like family. You know, once they realize they can get someone to do your job cheaper, whether in this country or out, you're out the door. They don't care about the people that you're feeding. They don't care about any of that stuff that you're caring for. A, for you, you, you're a caregiver for an ailing parent and you're also a parent yourself of a special needs child. Your boss is going to shrug their shoulders and go, yep, corporate said, sorry, you're getting 80. We can get someone to do what you're doing for 43 coming out of college. So, yeah, or we just phased out your gig altogether because we're trying to go public and we need to have the liquid on hand to be attractive to investors. Yeah. Guess what? There are a lot of people out there that don't even have to go that deep as I do into it and do that dive. They just know they feel better and more complete, more well-rounded with the balance that's going on right now. So my prediction is that leisure is going to be at a premium. Daytime leisure, not nighttime leisure, not just the bars and the 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 activity centers and the gyms. And the, I'm talking about in the middle of the day. The leisure, people painting, people taking walks, people being there more with their pets. These fur parents who don't see their animal for six, seven, eight hours and have to hire um, dog sitters and et cetera, et cetera. I think that the leisure, this leisure is going to become something that people are going to take a, a, a significant or pay significant attention to. And then they will be able to add certain other streams of income into their life as well. Because isn't it funny? In the United States, you, you, can't, you can't listen to anything without someone telling you you got to have 90 million different streams of income just for you to live. But the number one stream of income that all of us should have and none of us really have is investments. Right? If I were to tell anyone out there to do anything, it's to, it's to become more proficient and more literate financially. 12 years of formal education in this country given to you for free from six years old to 18 years old. And you can go to most schools in the United States and not get one class on financial literacy, one class on 
investments on what is a stock, what is a bond, what is equity, what is annuities, what are any of these things, what is passive income, what is a revenue stream, what is profit. You can go from six years old to 18 years old for free on the government's dime and not know a thing about credit, stocks, anything. That is, ladies and gentlemen, dare I say it, by design. Because maybe if you know a little thing about return on investment, you might look at college and certain degrees and go, yeah, I'm not doing that because I'm not going to get a proper return on my investment. If I spend this much time going to school for this particular degree and the starting salary of this particular degree is 40,000, but yet it takes $40,000 per year to go to this school. That doesn't make sense to me. I might as well do this, that, and the third. Uh-oh, now all of a sudden you're not a consumer, you're an investor. You're not investing in ideas, you're investing in, in, in numbers, dollars and cents. You're not investing in this idea that I need to be this, I need to be that, because that's what society says. You're looking at the raw data and the data's not matching up. So you're not taught how to you're not taught how to be discerning about the data. You've never been taught it. Not if you went to public school in this country in most neighborhoods, because that would have turned you from a consumer into a boss. It would have turned you from a consumer into an investor, from an employee to a boss immediately. You would have known your worth on the open market. But the whole idea is get a good job, get a good job, get a good job. So guess what happens? We forego so many other things about our lives. The pursuit of happiness turns into what is our title and what is our salary? What is someone else giving us? Hmm? And meanwhile, we know more about our coworkers than we do our own neighbors. The people that you sort of cohabitate with to a degree. If you live in if you live in an apartment complex, you know, your I live on I live on the top floor of the building I live in right now. So my floor is someone else's ceiling. But I've lived in places before where my my um, um, uh, my ceiling was someone else's floor. My right wall is your left wall. My left wall is your right wall. We're all in this sort of thing together. Yet we don't know each other. But at work, you know, everybody's situation, you know, their relationships, you know, what's going on with them. You're spending all this time with them. And then all of a sudden, poof, like that, someone gets transferred to another department leaves that job, makes a lateral move, vertical move, whatever, up or down, they're gone, gone, disappeared, just like that. So how do you feel about that? The things I'm saying right now, whether you're in the single digit age group at nine, 10 years old, you can relate to what I'm saying. And if you're approaching triple digits right now, or you're halfway there, you can relate to what I'm saying. Or if you're just entering into the job market, or if you're a high school student right now and you're listening to this, you can relate to this. You're like, wait a minute, I, he's right. I've never been ta taught about stocks and bonds. We're living in this country, this capitalist society where we're watching the news and on the bottom of our news updates, there's the stock market ticker. The New York Stock Exchange, the NYSE ticker is at the bottom. And I will venture to say that 95% of the population in this country, or I'll, at least I'll say, I'll, let's say 90, don't know what the heck is going on with that ticker. But that's a part of our daily lives. Every day the stock market's open. Every day it closes. And we're told, oh, the Dow was up today. Oh, that sounds good. We must be doing great, right, honey? 
Uh, don't know. Not when laying off maybe a third of your workforce is going to make you make your company attractive to investors. Maybe that's not great for you. Depends on who you are in this dynamic. So we got to learn the language of passive incomes. So now when you're working at home, you get to all of a sudden do these little things. You get to play with the play with your stocks and 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 and, and do a little workout, do a nice little 20, 10, 15, 20 minute yoga stretch. You get to do all of these things. You get to maybe find out about investing in another piece of real estate in your neighborhood. Find out what's going on in your community. Find out. So so now here we are. Great resignation. People leaving their jobs. Okay? People saying, yeah, I don't think working at an Amazon fulfillment center is that fulfilling. Just saying, no disrespect to Amazon. Just saying, $15 an hour, whoopee. To I know of people who've worked at Amazon fulfillment centers. And they they are injured right now because they feel that the, the artificial intelligence and the pace that they're working at, that every single break is accounted for, every single minute you spend off of a box. Oh, yeah, the, the, the algorithm says you're supposed to be able to pick up 60 boxes in, in, in 60 seconds or whatever the case may be. You're supposed to be able to pick up this much. And if you don't do that, then you get called in and then you get some sort of receipt or email that says you've been under the quota. That's the pressure these people are under of lifting and using their body weight and be able to once you once you're at a job that says you have to be able to lift something something pounds you got to go uh-oh <laughs> uh-oh you might be in for it be very careful if you guys are on those sites and things like that and you're looking at these uh these uh um these sites that talk about that stuff you know uh job sites and recruiters when they say, yeah, 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 must be able to lift 30 to 40 pounds consistently. Like what? Oh, okay. So not in the gym. This is not a gym job. Oh, okay. I have to pick this up. So this is what I want to talk about. Just, you don't have to be wealthy. We, we've, in this country, we've, we've sort of said, we've said to ourselves subconsciously that these leisurely vacations and putting on a pair of white linen pants and blue linen shirt and sunglasses and having an espresso at 12 noon or 1 o'clock or 2, 3 o'clock in the afternoon are activities for the wealthy and the propertied. You've been fooled into believing that you couldn't enjoy that like everybody else. Meanwhile, I've lived in other places. I've been to South America. I've lived in Europe. I've lived in Hawaii. I've lived in other places that seem to have their stuff together and somehow, some way, being able to enjoy the day outside of work, still being able to enjoy the waking day has been something that they've been able to do. So I'm asking you right now, um, what do you think about that prediction? Do you think that that prediction can be somewhat accurate? In your own personal life, do you feel as if now you've had some modicum of an awakening where you're seeing that you can do all of these things? You can work for your employer from home, be productive, not be distracted, 
do the work as well as um, uh, balance with all the other things going on. I've heard certain people say that working from home and working around the kids, they miss going to work because of what? The camaraderie with their coworkers. I'm saying bump that camaraderie with your coworkers. Get to know the people in your community. Because if your coworkers were so great, most of us would still be friends with all of those past coworkers from past jobs. And I'm, I'm going to venture to say that you've left a ton of jobs and many of those jobs, you maybe walked away with one person who still has your number. I'm not talking about your Facebook page or your Instagram where you're still quote unquote following each other. I'm talking about, do you guys converse? Is that someone who, 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 who remembers your birthday? And if they forgot your birthday, they call you or text you and go, oh my gosh, I'm sorry, I forgot your birthday. Happy birthday, happy belated. Is that someone that you still will go out, for, go out to drinks, go out for drinks with, even though you haven't worked with each other for two, three, four years? And there may be that one person, but you didn't work with one person, did you? You worked with five, you worked with 10. There were a dozen people, two dozen people who knew your name. Hey, June. Hey, June. What's up, June? Hey, how's the thing going? Hey, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I heard you were part of that office pool thing. You won that. Hey, that's great. Yeah, yeah. Dozens of people knowing your name, waving at you, smiling at you every single day. And you are now under the impression that, yeah, we're cool. We're family. So all the people out there, I want this to be shared. That narrative that you had to go to work to find your community and camaraderie. How about your neighbors? Your neighbors are home too. Your neighbors are home too. That community coffee shop, that neighborhood deli, that neighborhood park where people are walking their dogs, that, that, that neighborhood coffee shop, espresso shop where people have their laptops open. I'm saying get to know those people. Those people are more important than your coworkers. These are the people in your neighborhood, in your neighborhood. Get to know them. So if you're feeling as if, if you're a parent out there and you have some little kids in your house and you're saying, I keep speaking this baby talk, this kid talk, I, I need to be around some adults. Plenty of adults own homes in those. I'm pretty sure there's no one under the age of 18 that owns a home in your neighborhood. So get to know the grownups in your neighborhood, in your community, because that's how you're going to stay ahead of all the things that are going on. So if you're having a, if you have issues with being told, do this or else, if you felt as if you were being treated like a child at your job, your government is telling you, do this or else, do it. And if you don't, boom, it's curtains for you. It'd be great to have a community of people that you can lean on. I'm not saying every single last neighbor. I'm saying that at least at that moment, you've pulled your resources together in your neighborhood. You know some people who know some people who know some people. And they can say things like, hey, you know what? That's happening to such and such too. I'm going to get them together. We're going to have a talk. And then what we can do is we can rebuild the kitchen table rebuild the idea of community, rebuild the idea of lodges and community centers where people used to actually get together in this country. There's a book called Bowling Alone that I read some years back, a very good book, uh, Bowling Alone. I think the author's name is Robert Putnam. And he spoke about how civic associations were dead in America or, or were on the high decline 
workload decline because so many people were overworked. Think about this. You're overworked, then you're getting home, and you're trying to run your kid to karate class. You're trying to run your kid to basketball and baseball and football practice. You're running your kid to language lessons, music lessons, computer coding lessons, all of these things. What about you? What about you? Now it's coding for kids and this, that, and the third, and blah, blah, blah. You know, the kid's learning a language. Why, why aren't you learning that language? Uh, this, kid, this kid's uh, um, 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 learning how to play the piano. Do you know how to play the piano? No? Then why aren't you learning? Why aren't you in a class with your kid? Think about what I just said. All of these things, you get home from work, and then it's, you got to take the kid to all of their activities. You get home for a couple of minutes. You wash yourself. You go to sleep and then you go and do it again the next day. And then the weekends are spent sending kids to volleyball camps and championship this and soccer. You're going three hours outside of your neighborhood, outside of your community, do all of these things. Meanwhile, you haven't grown as a human being. You're constantly at the service of others. What about you? What are you doing for you? My prediction is that people have learned how to cook, especially women. I'm, I'm going to speak for a moment to black women. There are the, the, black women who have been sold a bag of goods with, with certain tenets of the feminist movement that didn't benefit them. The sort of you can do it alone. You can go alone. Black, you are enough. Do it. Do it. Go to school. Go to school. Go to school. You are now you are the most indebted person in America. And on top of that, you are the least likely to be married. One out of four black women is about 30% black women are, are married in America or going to be married in their lifetime. But yet you are holding on to the most debt as a single person and oftentimes a single parent. You've been sold a bag of goods. And now all of that, go to school, go to school, do this, do that, the third. And now those women are home now going, wait a minute, what was all of that for? For me to be home? And not have someone to cuddle with and tell me all of this stuff that's going on is going to be okay? Where we can build something together? What, what did I do? Those are the other conversations that are, ha that are being had right now. And now those same women who, who was told cooking or being in the kitchen was some sort of hellish assignment. Oh, I don't know. I don't need to know how to cook. Yeah, you kind of do. You kind of do. It's good to know what you put in, what's put into your food if you're the one putting it in there. Guess what they're doing now? Now all of a sudden, in between the things you're doing at work, you have some sort of cooking show on and a YouTube tutorial. And now these there have been women that I know personally that I wouldn't eat at their homes pre-2020. I wouldn't eat unless they were ordering out. I am not eating what they cooked today. The pictures that they send me of their food, the videos. I go, wait, wait who made that? I made it. What you mean you made it? I made it, June. I'm like, what do you mean by make? Let's let's did you warm it up? Did you order it from a frozen sort of company that sends you food and you heated it up? They're like, no, June, I bought all the ingredients. I've had people on camera have to show me the box of the of the food like the, the OK, you bought. The, let me see. The, let me see the gravy that you that you OK, let me see the, the, the rice bag of rice. I want to see the ingredients. I went as far as there was this girl I know, this woman I know. She was so anti-cooking and so pro just being in pro getting a corporate title. 
I don't need a husband. I don't need this. I don't need a man. I don't need this. I got my job. I got my job. I got my job. Her whole alliance and allegiance was paid to the company, right? Soon as this, soon as these quarantines and shutdown hit, they downsized her. Her whole identity, her whole identity from going to get her bachelor's to getting her MBA was all wrapped around getting these titles that were told were going to free her and empower her. Instead, they indebted her and overworked her. Yeah, she has a nice little house. Great. Awesome. A lot of ways to get a nice little house. <laughs> a lot of ways. Remember I told you we spent 12 years in formal school. We weren't told how to get those nice little homes except to get ourselves in debt. So we have the student loan debt and now the mortgage debt and the car loan debt to go along with it. Wonderful. So she got downsized. Luckily for her, she is frugal like you wouldn't believe. So she had a nice nest egg saved up. And because she's intelligent and because she's resourceful, she started a couple of little businesses online that worked for her. But you know what she did? She said, they, they betrayed me because they sold me the bag of goods that I was in, in their family, this job, this corporate gig told me I was one of their blah, blah, blah. I realized I, all I did was work and all I did was hang out with my coworkers thinking that was going to get me up the food chain and blah, 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 the, the ladder of success, et cetera, et cetera. Now I'm home. And she realized she didn't know how to do anything in her kitchen. And she was embarrassed about it. But because she is who she is, she did something about it. She started going online and she started attacking her kitchen the same way she attacked her studies and the same way she attacked corporate. Now, this woman who was averse to the kitchen was like, oh, June, I don't cook. She, which many people use as a badge of honor, because the kitchen, there was sort of this purgatory for, for, for women, the way we, we, the way we created this domestic construct in this country. The kitchen is the worst place, even though that's, what you, that's how you feed yourself and your family. But hey, whatever. She hated the kitchen, hated cooking, the idea of it, of handling the food. She even talked about our, our aversion to getting her hands dirty cooking. The process of it. Just now, now. I had to see her make the food. I didn't believe her. I was like, no, you're not cooking. You, no. She was like, okay. Put the phone on, record it, and she showed me her in the kitchen, and I was stunned because she would be the absolute last person. I would put a big, large sum of money betting against her ever in being in the kitchen and enjoying it. Now she loves it. Now you have people who are now reframing and changing this idea that they've had all these years about being the professional was supposed to be their identity. Everything that they were was tied into this professional identity and now they're realizing, well, work-life balance may mean a little more, knowing how to use my kitchen, knowing how to do this, knowing how to take up these little hobbies. This is what I'm saying. My prediction is that this is going to stick and it's going to lead to a larger conversation of making it stick. I want to see it happen personally. I'm invested in this prediction to a certain degree. Um, I'm going to be all right regardless because there's no way the system can get me to do all the things that they would want me to do. I do the things I want to do. And, and if I notice I'm backed into a corner, I start to, guess what? I start to drill holes. So if you back me into a corner, I'm going to start punching that wall or run through you. But either way, I'm, I won't allow myself to be backed in. So that's just how my mind works. What I'm saying is, and I'll say it again, and I've said it for three, 
straight conversations, there is an opportunity here to change the dynamic. My prediction is the dynamic has changed and it's changed for good. We're not going back to the old normals. And I think that's a good thing. On that note, remember guys, rate, subscribe to Whose World Is This with Junior Renee Bobrun. Follow us on Instagram at Whose World Is This 2021. Whose World Is This 2021. Email me at Whose World Is This 21 at gmail.com. And definitely rate, review, subscribe to the show. Leave a rating and review. Please do. And if you feel like donating, remember, dollar sign J U N B E A U at Cash App as well as in, on Venmo. J U N B E A U. On that note, till we speak again. Bye bye.